What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Good Theology Podcast. So pleased to have you joining us, as always. Hoping you have uh, loved the last couple of episodes on the Holy Spirit. If you haven't checked those out, uh, please do that, because we think you'll like them and that they'll be helpful. Uh, I'm Jake, and I'm here with my co-host, David Campbell, who has a very bare bookshelf behind him, because he's in the midst of getting ready for a big move. David, how are you? I am. I have. If I if I turn this around, oh wow! Look at that. Here, fifty boxes. Here, fifty boxes of books. Way too many. <laughs> this is this is why I do iBook. I've I've got a big iBook shelf, but a very small real life shelf. Yeah, sadly, that's the way it works these days. Yeah, yeah. It's so convenient though, because whenever I think of like, oh, I read this in that book, I can bring it up. Right then and there, it's hard, really hard to leave behind. So I got this cool new uh, Bible. I want to show it to you guys. It's called the it's uh, the Illuminated Bible, or it's an Illuminated Bible. Obviously, there's lots of Illuminated Bibles, but uh, it's by Crossway, and it's an ESV translation. But it's so beautiful. And my friend, he he uh, like partners with and manages and. Um, does work with like graphic designers and uh, artists and one of his designers got hired by Crossway to make this amazing hmm. illustrated illuminated Bible and there's so much beautiful art in it. So yeah. Oh, is that your email going up? Yeah, I know. He's See, on this it. Is when you go on holiday and <laughs> I miss a couple weeks and then I forget to turn the thing off. That's no worries. Fearful. Uh, so shout out to my friend Matt for giving me this beautiful Bible. That Super cool. Great. And it's really nice leather, too. So I've uh, become a little bit of a collector of fine Bibles over the last couple of years. So that's uh, this is another good one to add to the collection. Northeast of England, you can find the oldest... Uh, a collection of the Gospels, I think, in in English is in the Lindisfarne Gospels. They're illustrated beautifully. They're oh, cool, over a thousand years old, and uh, I believe there's a copy of them at in uh, at Durham Cathedral or in Durham University Library. Cool, so, love that. Well, the reason I keep having to buy new ones is because I keep spilling coffee on my Bible. So that is forgivable sin, especially if it's bad coffee. Well, it's never bad coffee. I only take good coffee. That's, that's, that's the rule of my house. This is my go-to Bible. This is a, a publisher called Skyler, and I love them a whole heap. EvangelicalBibles.com. They don't sponsor us, but maybe they will if I shout them out. Because um, you can get great Bibles on there. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about today at all. Um, but... I like Bibles, so it's always fun. So I want to have a conversation around uh, some of Jesus's most perhaps confusing words. I know we've said that before about some of his eschatological stuff, but I want to look at John chapter 15, famous chapter uh, on the vine and the branches, but specifically zeroing in on verses 7 and 8, where Jesus says these words, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, 
And this is the part that I think is confusing. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That is to my Father's glory, or this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's reading uh, in the NIV. I'm not sure what you're reading along in there. But ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I've done a bit of study on this passage um, and come up with a few thoughts of my own. Um, but as always, I'd like to defer to you and give you the first word. Well, that's very gracious of you. It's either that or I like you to talk first. I can make sure that uh, what you have to think lines up with what I think. <laughs> there you go. The mess after. You know, my old New Testament professor, Murray Harris, who I believe is still alive, wrote a magnificent commentary in Second Corinthians. He, um, you, you know, if you wrote an exam for him in New Testament class, and started by saying this verse is difficult to interpret, you would get a great big red line trail. <laughs> at a few demerit points. Uh, why? Why would he do that? What was his uh, philosophy there? We don't. We don't start with the assumption that there's some problem in the Bible that mm. is complicated. We start with the assumption that we may have difficulty in our limited understanding, but the Holy Spirit can give us. Uh, you know, all the insight that we need. And I don't, I mean, you know, I don't really find this verse difficult, uh, but like everything else, it is difficult if you don't understand it in uh, the context of what Jesus was saying. For instance, he starts by saying, as a kind of a preamble, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, well, that's a big conditional clause. If you read through the first epistle of John, which was written by the same man that wrote the Gospel of John, you'll see that he sets up uh, several different tests of whether you're really a Christian, one of which is, do you have the Holy Spirit? One of which is, do you have orthodox doctrine about Jesus? One of which is, do you love your neighbors? Are you walking out in your life? There's three tests of orthodoxy, <laughs> you know, as to whether you're really truly a Christian. And then when he's established those, he that becomes for him the basis of assurance for salvation. And then he makes the statement in first John chapter five at the end um, that uh, anything you ask, you know, in it, it, it's the it's a paraphrase of the same thing. It's right. uh, let me let me go and quote it exactly. So I'm not. Um, yeah, let's go there. We got time. First uh, so, John chapter five. Because we need to be careful obviously with the scriptures, but he says, um, this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask, if that, if we ask anything according to his will, um, he hears us in whatever we ask. And he, we know that if he hears us, we have the requests that we've asked of him. So uh, it's the same kind of thing. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have what, what we've asked of him. But, that is in the last chapter of first and just john. for people listening that's uh first john 5:14 and in the previous four chapters he lays out these tests as to whether we're walking in god and uh if if we pass the test if we uh are walking in the love of jesus if we believe uh that jesus is who he says he is, and we are we're orthodox in our doctrine, 
And if we have received the presence of the Holy Spirit in our fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we can know that is the basis of our confidence coming before God. But the assumption there is the same as Jesus is saying back in John 15. And I personally think when John wrote these words in his epistle, he was thinking, because he was there when Jesus spoke the, the same words in John 15, he was thinking of those words where Jesus said, if you remain in me or if you yes. abide in me, then you can have whatever you ask in my name. Mm -hmm. uh, so the idea is that uh, if we uh, come to God, uh, the place that we come to when we're petitioning God for anything is a place where we have fellowship with Christ, where our lives are submitted to Christ, where we know the Word of God, where we are endeavoring to bring our lives into alignment with the Word of God. And that is what gives us confidence to um, uh, that, that the things that we ask of Him, He will answer and hear. Mm -hmm. And so uh, going back then to uh, John chapter 15, uh, and, and then he continues uh, in the verse that I quoted, in the, I'm sorry, in the verse that you quoted in verse uh, 7 and 8, if you mm -hmm. abide in me and my words abide in you. So that's the condition that we come to him. Uh, ask whatever you wish and it will be done because what we want, it's trust in the Lord and he will give you, trust in the Lord, do good in the land and he will give you the desires of your heart, Psalm 37. And so if we trust in the Lord, if we do good in the land, if we're walking faithfully, then the desires of God become the desires of our heart and then he will give us the desires of our heart because the desires of our heart are already the desires of God's heart because we've aligned ourselves with the will of God. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, which states that the goal of our actions, the goal of our petitions of the things we're praying for, is the glory of God. And if you go back to just a chapter before in chapter 14, Jesus uh, says more or less, he covers more or less the same kind of ba base he talks in, in verse 12, he says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and greater works that, than these he will do and so on. So he's talking about someone whose life is in alignment with the will of God. He's mm -hmm. abiding in Christ. And then he says, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So we get the same kind of idea of being in the will of God, being in fellowship with Christ, number one. Number two, coming to God and asking. Uh, and number three, the goal of it is that the Father will be glorified in the Son. And so uh, I feel that Jesus is, wants to give us a boldness to come in relationship uh, and ask uh, in the analogy of, you know, if we're asking a favor of a friend, uh, for instance, if I come to you and I say, Jake, you know, can you, uh, let's say, let's say my request is, can you loan me some money? And uh, uh, 
And then I go on and say, and and you say, well, you know, like, why? What's the problem? Well, you know, I um, I lost a lot of money gambling uh, at the racetrack the other day, or on the lot too many bought too many lottery tickets. Well, you might not be inclined to lend me any money, but if it was a different circumstance, some personal tragedy or something where obviously, you know, I, I was not to blame, and, and there was a need there, and you had the money, then, you know. That, that's why I'm coming to you on the basis of relationship that uh, I'm presenting a request that I know will resonate with you and that you will say you you will, you know, I'm not coming to you and asking you to do something. I'm sorry about the background noise here. The landscapers have just decided. <laughs> oh, no worries. On. Yeah. Uh, because we have had nothing but rain. You'd think it was in England. In uh, It really is ridiculous. But so um so i'm coming to you aligning myself with what i know to be your values and on that basis i'm coming to make mm. a request to you and mm. my goal in it in prayer is not ultimately that there will be benefit to me but that the father will be glorified and and uh, that his will will be done on earth so everything i'm coming including things that are of a, of a help and assistance and a benefit to me. Ultimately, I'm asking for that in order that, you know, I can be effective for Christ. For instance, I'm asking for God today for accommodation for a son who needs to go back and finish some university courses and for a daughter who's finishing another, um, her, her nursing program and has to switch apartments because of her placement. And I'm asking God, would you please do those things? I'm asking for their benefit. I'm also asking for my benefit so that the load of that can be lifted off of my mind and I'm free to go and do the other things that God's called me to do. The ultimate goal of everything is that God be glorified? So that's how I. That's kind of, sorry, it's kind of long-winded. Uh, um, no, it's good. I like your reading. Yeah, it really resonates. Yeah, it resonates a lot with my own reading as well. I think your uh, point about First John is profound. Um, the three conditions that John writes uh, in the epistle there, uh, leading to the same invitation to ask confidently. Um, that's really great. I hadn't thought of that. I see the same conditions here in John 15. So uh, in verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, well, to, to me, the first question I ask is what exactly does that mean? Remain, abide in Jesus and let his words remain, abide in us. I think he goes on to answer that question in verse nine is the father has loved me. So have I loved you now remain in my love. So there's that first condition laid out in first John uh, uh, sharing in the love of Jesus. Uh, having loving relationship with him. And then uh, if you keep my commands, verse 10, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Now he's telling us, okay, so loving me is connected to obeying me. I've told you this, that your joy may be complete. And then verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So when I look at that, I go, okay, to remain in Jesus means to have loving relationship with him, sharing his love. To have his words remain in me is to obey his commands. And there's only one command given here in this context, which is to love one another sacrificially as Christ has loved us, which lines up with those same conditions that he lays out in his epistle in 1 John, to love your neighbor um, uh, as yourself. And so, uh, and that, go ahead. Of course, right about seven or eight verses later, Jesus talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit comes into it uh, in John 15, as well, as well. Well, and you would even say that there's no way to remain in Christ to be a branch in the vine apart from the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual union um, that we share with the incarnate Christ. So, yeah, all the the three same conditions are there, and that's awesome. And just you know, as a quick little addition to that, which I think just really strengthens that argument. Uh, or, or rather gives us confidence that if we love Christ and we love one another, that that positions us to boldly. I see the same thing in uh, Ephesians chapter one. I've been praying Paul's prayer a lot in Ephesians chapter one. And recently this stood out to me. So in verse 15 of Ephesians one, he says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus. So that's like knowing Jesus, loving Jesus and your love for all God's people, so loving one another. I have not stopped giving thanks to you, remembering you, uh, thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And here's what I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, our glorious Father, that he'd give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Jesus better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you would know the riches of God's glorious inheritance in his holy people. It's really interesting. Paul commends them for having faith in Christ and love for God's people. And he says, because of that, I've been praying for you. And here's the first two things I've been praying for, that you would love Jesus even more and that you would love the church even more. It just He wants like a, a, a double portion of what they're already having received. And then the outcome, it seems to be, uh, finally, that they would know God's incomparably great power for us who believe, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So I see the same kind of threefold steps there, that loving Jesus, loving one another, and that that amounts to bearing what I would call miraculous fruit. If it was just ordinary fruit, then it wouldn't need to be done in partnership with God. We wouldn't need to ask the Father for it. We could just read a self-help book and and bear fruit, you know, in that way. But no, this is a fruit that requires the power of God to work in and through our lives. Or here in John 15, a fruit that requires us to ask uh, of the Father and uh, fruit that ultimately glorifies Him. So I'm comforted to hear that we read that the same way. And I was really encouraged to, was it Psalm 37 that you quoted? I love the Lord, your God do good in the land. Yeah. Trust in the Lord, do good in the land and he will give you the desire of your heart. Yeah. So it's the same pattern over and over throughout the scripture. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but the, the tension. Go ahead. Well, uh, you know, what, what, this gives us confidence is when he says, whatever you ask in my name, uh, whatever, uh, which is the Greek word hot, T-N, uh, it means, uh, this may sound profound, but it means whatever. You know, it, it <laughs> the whole gamut, the whole range from one end to the mm-hmm. spectrum to the other. So any area of our life, nothing is too petty or too small or too irrelevant or, you know, that God is not concerned, whatever. Um, it gives us confidence to bring everything uh, mm-hmm. before the Lord. And of course, we whatever we ask is in the present tense, which means it emphasizes the continuous activity of coming mm-hmm. before and asking. I see. So there's there's an implied uh, persistence there. Persist. There always is with prayer. And one of the reasons for that, of course, is that God tends to be able to t- change our hearts while we're praying how many mm. times have you started praying for something and in the course of it you've realized you know that you probably were praying for the wrong thing and god changed your heart 
and you're glad you never got what you originally prayed for. So, mm -hmm. you know, persistence is really important. Like the, the mm -hmm. widow and the unjust judge, you just keep at it. Ask, mm -hmm. seek, and knock, Jesus said, and those are present mm -hmm. tense. You keep on and on and on and on, and people give up. Uh, you know, they ask once and then get disappointed and go away. Mm -hmm. And you, you say, well, what, why does God want us to keep coming back to him? That seems cruel. No, not really. What he's trying to do is draw us into relationship with him. Uh, if if we only treated him like a celestial slot machine, you know, you stick your dollar in the machine and, uh, you know, you hope for uh, the jackpot to come out. Uh, that's not going to develop any relationship with God. So that's not what he wants. But he says, whatever you keep on asking in my name. And see, that's the key. In my name means under my ownership. So I can ask things, and it isn't that isn't that it's like in my name. If I say those words, I'll get it. That's not what he mm -hmm. means. It's mm -hmm. when you come with the attitude of being a steward and not an owner. When you come with the attitude of being submitted under Christ and His will, that's the prayers that God answers. What? But then whatever we can ask continually. For anything and everything, nothing is irrelevant, but we come in his name, under his authority, in his ownership. You know, you just bought a house, and the house is at the title, the house is in your name. Mm -hmm. And same with me. I'm buying a house, or I bought a house, about to move. It's in my name, means in my ownership. And so we're in God's ownership, in Christ's ownership. Whatever you ask in my name, under his authority, under his ownership— that will I do. And this is the great thing about it, that it's Christ that does it. You know, we can't produce the answer to our prayers. Our job is only to ask. It's his job to do it. And, uh, uh, but, you know, uh, we've got to be persistent and mm -hmm. come in his name, abiding in him, you know, uh, delighting in the Lord first, and that brings us into alignment with his will. Mm -hmm. Does Jesus mean, that. does he mean for us, sorry to interrupt, does he mean for us to put together that all things are under his authority when we pray in his name? But here, when he's speaking to the disciples, does he, does he mean for them to understand whatever you ask in my name, therefore implies that whatever fits in whatever, is under my authority. Well, all things are under his authority. So yeah. it's just a question of us bringing ourselves into alignment with his will. I mean, the mystery of prayer is that God draws us into partnership with him so that somehow our praying has consequence to it. Mm. Um, and, uh, even though God could choose simply to do what he wanted, whether any of us ever prayed or not, he had the way that he worked is he draws into partnership and calls for us to ask uh, for him to intervene in our lives. And, you know, uh, I, I'm not worried about, um, you know, people say, well, you can't just go and ask God for anything. Well, you know, God, God isn't obligated. If you ask God for the wrong thing, He's not obligated to give it to you, and he won't. Uh, but he wants to draw us up into relationship with him so that 
we cry out to him. And sometimes, you know, like Romans 8 says, our our prayers are groans where we, you know, are in a, such a state of distress that we don't know what to pray or can hardly pray. Mm -hmm. But God hears that too. That's the amazing thing. Mm, yeah. And, uh, it makes me wonder if prayer itself is a, a key aspect of the abiding, of the remaining. Um, and in prayer, sometimes we discover God's will specifically. The example that came to mind was just this last Sunday, I was preaching at a church in Chicago. We're just outside. And at the end of the service, um, I began to pray for certain things to happen, the, the you know, for some kinds of miracles to take place in, in people's lives. And then one of the things I found myself praying, and this is not pre-planned, I didn't plan on praying this, but I began praying Malachi, that the hearts of fathers would be turned to their sons and sons' hearts would be turned to their fathers. And as soon as I prayed that, I just had the thought in my head uh, that you need to stop on that. Pause there. There's somebody here in the room. There's a dad here in the room who needs to receive prayer for that particular thing. Um, and I would say that that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And sure enough, I stopped and there was one particular man who was sitting right there on the second row um, and was able to lay hands on him and pray for him. And it was a very moving, powerful moment. But I, I have found, I've been reflecting upon that. I have found as of late, you know, if you want to call that a word of knowledge, I have found as of late that those tend to come for me while I'm praying, if that makes sense. Even if I'm praying in tongues, sometimes I'll get a thought. And uh, that's, that's, why, that's one of my main reasons. Maybe it's, uh, you know, well, anyway, one of my main reasons for being okay with being a minister, being able to pray in tongues, even if not into the microphone uh, while they're standing on a platform and to do it in some bit of like a covert way is because that's part of how I hear from God. Um, at least that's my experience. And, and so, I don't know, it's just if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish will be done for you. Abiding in Christ happens in prayer, and we get to learn the will of God. Let's deal with the tension. We've just got about seven minutes left. The tension is, what about when I'm asking for something that surely is good, like somebody's healing, and I'm persisting, I'm doing all that. I love Jesus. I love his church, but I'm not getting the answer I want. Well, you know, uh, I think it's always worth praying and uh, God can adjust our prayers. Um, the timing is often an issue. We give up because we don't get it immediately. Mm -hmm. And maybe it isn't in God's time because it, God and me are not the only two entities in the universe. There's all sorts of other people and other people that love him and are praying and things need to be brought together involving various people. Um, so there can be mm -hmm. time delays, but you know, you can pray for a loved one that, uh, is sick and they don't get a miracle. They die. Uh, and we just have to leave that with the Lord. Uh, I mean, obviously we know, that death, physical death, is just a, a gateway to eternal life. So it isn't as if, in the bigger scheme of things, it's a defeat for God, because it isn't. Um, but some things are mysteries that we won't discover until we meet the Lord face to face. But what we can't do is we can't allow it to discourage us 
from picking things up and just praying for the next situation as well. In those situations where the prayer is not answered in the way that we would like, do we then have to draw the conclusion that the thing we are asking for, even though seemingly objectively good, was not in his will? Well, I, I, I'm I, not sure it's wise to draw any conclusion other than uh, God did call us to pray. For instance, mm -hmm. the word of God says that if any among you be sick, let him mm -hmm. call for the elders of the church. That's a command. And the elders, let the elders pray. And they'll, you know, anoint with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Anyway, without going into all the detail of that, there's two commands implied in that. One is, if you're sick, you must call. The other is, the elders must come and pray. Great. So that's the command. Um, and uh, the expectation is that a work of saving grace will occur in the process, whether, of course, the word self to save can mean to heal physically. It can mean to heal spiritually. Uh, or to restore, um, that God will do something in the process, regardless of even whether the person is physically healed or not, but it's still a command to do it. And so I just feel that God calls us into his presence to be persistent and to keep on. Um, mm -hmm. And not, you know, what is out of our control, what we don't understand, that's God's department. We leave it with him. But the enemy would certainly... Um, you know, try to, to to come in and say to us, well, just give up praying. There's no point to it. Mm -hmm. And that's the voice of the enemy. Uh, no, we just pick up the pieces. We leave, we leave it with God and we carry on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that passage was another one that I was thinking through as well. It's interesting to me that it comes at the end of James and James's epistle here deals so much with righteousness and holiness and what it really looks like to follow Jesus in his own words, giving the same kinds of conditions that John would give, uh, much more elaborate and much more specific, but the same vein. And then that, therefore, um, it's, I know it's interesting to me that he ends on the prayer of faith as the invitation or the culmination of a life lived in Christ. And so, uh, you know, I just wonder if part of the persistence in prayer is, is uh, not just in the praying itself, but in the conditions for the answered prayer in the first place and without falling into legalism to assess where we are um and really ensure that we are remaining in christ and that his commands are remaining in us um that we are pursuing holiness that we are pursuing relationship with him which produces our holiness um and i think that's part of the pursuit as well and if god delays an answer to our prayer because he wants us to dive deeper into those things, then surely that's a good thing um, by any standard. So got about a minute and 30 seconds before this Zoom cuts off. We had to switch to Zoom today, everybody, because our normal program was acting up. David, any final words from you? No, I, I just think that, uh, you know, when Paul says pray without ceasing, he doesn't mean do nothing else. He just means be persistent, keep at it. And I always encourage people, you know, e even if you don't have I mean, my wife is amazing. She'll be up uh, in this room that I'm sitting in now at six o'clock in the morning, praying at great length, um, putting me to shame. Um, but 
even if you're sitting in the car driving to work and you have five minutes to pray. Uh, I mean, I had a couple of short car trips today. I occupied themselves in myself in prayer during those times. Mm-hmm. It's it's always worth it. It's mm-hmm. always worth it. Even if it's just a short time, take advantage of the moment and don't give up. Don't disqualify Amen. yourself as, you know, by comparing yourself with someone else, just hang in there and wait and see what God does. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody, for Good Theology. Hope this episode has been a blessing to you. God bless.